in episode five of Well-Led Schools. I'll be diving into why having a vision is a foundational step in creating a school culture that prioritizes well-being. Stay tuned. Welcome to Well-Led Schools with Adrienne Hornby. On this podcast, we talk about all things staff well-being, school culture, and leadership. Join me for incredible and rich conversations with a range of experts who will give you tips, tricks, and inspiration to best support the well-being of the staff in your school and yourself. I'm your host, Adrienne Hornby, a health and well-being consultant and former school leader. I partner with schools across Australia to tailor and embed staff well-being action plans aimed at addressing staff burnout and building positive working environments. Hi everyone, this is Adrienne Hornby. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Well-Led Schools. In today's episode, I'm joined by Kate Greeny, a deputy principal in a high school here in the ACT, and she's currently on secondment as the director of the new educator support program for ACT EDU. We'll be unpacking why having a vision for staff wellbeing and culture is one of the first and most important steps for improving and transforming your school. Kate is here as a co-host with me today, but do stay tuned for an upcoming episode where you can get to know Kate a little more and we'll be discussing ways to support new educators and their wellbeing at school. I can't wait to share this episode with you. This episode is brought to you by our signature Well-Led Schools Partnerships, a 12-month program that brings leaders and staff together to create a shared vision for their school and empowers them to create an action plan that leads to needle-moving changes in school culture and morale. Doors to our partnerships open only once per term. Stay updated on program openings and sign up for the waitlist at adriannehornby.com.au forward slash school hyphen partnerships. Welcome, Kate. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Adrian. <laughs> so Kate and I have known each other for a couple of years now. So first met when you were my deputy principal. Yes. Yes. Then you became a client. Yes, and moved on to another high school and now here we are. Yes, worked with you in that high school and then now we're still here as friends and you're joining me as my co-host. Absolutely. You're going to do great. (laughs) So thanks everyone for listening again. The start of the school year is the perfect time to communicate to our staff how we envision the year or the next few years to go. Particularly now, I think after the pandemic, we really need a bit of a reset Often senior leaders begin their year with a session on their strategic goals and plans, which I'm not sure too many of our staff often absorb. No, I don't think so. (laughs) I think they're more into what am I doing next week? What do I need to do with my class? How do I get my head around my teaching? Yeah, that's right. So I think we're really well-intentioned when we start off with that plan because we want to communicate where we're going, but we need to think about how do we do that in a way which actually has some meaning. Absolutely. And I think the other driving factor there is often compliance. There's a lot of compliance that senior leaders have to think about when they begin a school year. And Mm. sometimes that detracts from focusing on people Mm. rather than, you know, the organisational aspects that we have to tick boxes for. Yeah, that's right. So we'll be talking today about 
ways, I guess, that we can weave in that's something a bit more meaningful mm. and also that's quite powerful for the year ahead. So, yes, strategic goals are really important, but we need to consider, like, how will we actually work together this year? Um, how will we collaborate? How will we build connections with one another but also with our students? So what we often leave off the agenda really is the communication of our vision. And I'm not talking about the whole school vision. I'm talking about our vision as a leader for how we want our school or even our team to operate. So if middle leaders are listening right now, we can still communicate our vision to our team. It doesn't always have to um, come from our senior leaders, although that's best. But if you are listening, <laughs> it's nice when it aligns. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Um, but we can, as middle leaders, also apply this to the work we do with our team. So, so please keep that in mind. But we're really thinking about here as well how our staff will work together, how we'll collaborate with our students and work together as a school community as a whole. Now, I know of some really visionary leaders who communicate where the school is headed in terms of strategies, but oftentimes they might actually lack a vision for staff or being in school culture and miss including this as part of the messaging. When the messaging about vision only includes a school instructional or even administrative priorities, it leaves staff to fill in the blanks about how they're expected to work, interact with their peers and function in their classroom. Having and communicating a clear vision and direction for the school's culture is one that considers staff or being. This enables principals and senior leaders to be strategic about the changes required to improve school outcomes and performance. If you tuned into episode one, you'll know that I strongly believe that a school function improves when we prioritise staff health, wellbeing and relationships. Without these foundational elements, it's really hard then, of course, for the initiatives that we put in place to gain any traction, for us to actually see any outcomes and to see that reflected in the data. And it's interesting, as senior leaders, we talk a lot to our staff about getting to know your students (laughs) and building relationships with your students and taking the time that you need at the beginning of a school year. So true. I talk to my staff all the time about if you do nothing else in first term, but spend time getting to know your kids and building relationships, I'm okay with that because what follows will make your year easier. And I think we sometimes forget that we need to do that with our staff. Yes. Um, they're no different that. to yes. students. We're just working with adults and they need to know they're important and cared about and respected just the way our students do. Mm. And it's that whole notion of building trust. Mm. And if we just kind of throw ourselves into strategic goals and aims straight away, we miss that and we think we need to do that because we have so much to cover. But as I was saying before, yes, you'll have lots of actions at the end of the year on your strategic plan, but will you have any outcomes? Well, there's no greater pressure than the curriculum we currently teach and the amount of things that are crammed into that and yet we ask teachers to take their time and make sure that they're starting where the students are at and I think that's what we need to do with our teachers too. Yeah, and when you think back too as well in the classrooms, you spend that first term establishing the expectations of your classroom and, um, yeah, and all of those, not necessarily rules, but our routine. Building your norms. Yeah. You know, the way we communicate, how we, we raise issues, being respectful. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really important and it's the missed part at yes. the commencement of a school year many times. It's such a good point. All right, I'm also really keen to hear, Kate, have you worked under a really visionary leader and what was your experience? And on the flip side, have you seen the effects of leaders who lack vision? Definitely both. <laughs> and I think it's really interesting when you reflect back, you don't really realise you are working under a visionary leader until you step away and you work with someone who perhaps doesn't have the same vision or the same 
ability to communicate mm. that vision. I think sometimes people have the vision but they're not sure how to get that across to other people. Mm. What I found most beneficial under the, the visionary leader I worked for was very early in my career was that any idea you had as this new fresh-faced new educator was embraced and you were told, yes, give it a go. Mm. And I used to worry about what that would look like if it all fell flat in the classroom and, and my boss would say to me, well, it looks like any child who fails and you take the learning from it and you pick yourself up and you try something else. And I think, you know, for him it was all about bring the kids with you on the journey, let them know where you're at and be a learner with them too. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to have someone that just trusted mm-hmm. you would do the right thing by the students. And that I think came from setting the vision at the beginning of the year. You know, we are going to be progressive in the way we educate our students and that means we are risk takers. We expect that of our students and we like that in our staff. Of course, they're calculated risks. They're not risks that are going to put anyone in any potential danger. On the flip side, many, many leaders I've had that I haven't felt have been overly visionary and I suspect because it's the communication of how or taking the time at the beginning of the year to bring people on board with that vision and empower them to actually be part of creating that vision, of actually owning that vision. And what I find in those situations are staff that really are unsure about perhaps where we're going or have change fatigue because they feel like we're just doing one thing after another but they can't see anything come to fruition or how things actually link together. It's not just the next best thing. Yeah, yeah, and so if they're really unsure of how that fits with the bit we did last year or the thing you're talking about us doing in six months' time, it's really hard to get staff who are already working at capacity Mm. to take on that something new. And I think we need to remember that while as senior leaders it is our our driving force of being strategic, they have a lot more on their plate day to day that's very operational and sometimes they can be bogged down in that and we need to help them step away from that sometimes and empower them to be part of that strategic decision-making rather than the top-down approach. Yeah, it's really interesting you raise that point because when I run the anonymous staff wellbeing surveys, communication invariably always pops up pretty much in any school. And when I take that to the leaders, they say, oh, but we, we do communicate. We do it verbally and we send our emails. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't actually think it's always just no. whether, whether you're communicating plans. It's the overall vision and direction of the school. It's having the involvement, feeling like there's transparency, like there's consultation on big decisions. And that, of course, yes, starts off with the vision, but it's how everything we're doing fits into that. So when I work with with leaders to be able to share their vision at the beginning of the year it's around yes this is how I see the school functioning but this is why we're focusing on student engagement in this way and student behaviors in another way and how we're upskilling our staff this all funnels into the overall big thing and people go oh right so that's the reason for Mm -hmm. the professional development focus but it also I think when we do that and do that well it keeps us from getting shiny object syndrome when yes. something comes along, go, let's do that. That sounds really good. Well, hang on, hang on. Does that fit into the big vision or is that something that we can park for now and really consolidate the plans we had for the initial vision, which we set at the beginning of the one or three-year period? I think you're right and I think transparency is a really big part of that communication. Uh, for me in my school, that was really what I heard when people were saying there's no communication 
we have an executive meeting every Monday afternoon. Only the executive team attends that meeting. And the other staff feel like there's some kind of secret squirrel business going on (laughs) in those meetings that they aren't privy to, that they have decisions made for them and done to them and they don't actually understand what's going on in that time. And for me, the fix was really simple. I used to take minutes. There was always someone else taking minutes, but they were the minutes we could go back and read. I would take abridged minutes or minutes where the highly confidential bits were taken out and they were emailed at the end of every meeting within five minutes to the whole school. That's great. People could come and ask questions then. Oh, I noticed the executive were talking about this. I have a great idea that I'd like to talk about or I'm really concerned about that for this reason. It just gave them an avenue to actually feel like they had a voice. Yeah, um, I like that. And when my principal was really concerned about these minutes being sent out at one point, he thought maybe we would get rid of it because he wanted to empower our middle leaders to actually talk about those minutes in their meetings and actually be the deliverers of the message which sounds great, except for our admin team because there was no one from our admin team leadership who actually attended those executive meetings. So the admin team wouldn't have any information and they were the ones that were then saying, but how do we get this? That's right. And often when I dissect those staff surveys, admin staff have real issues with communication because we forget about the crux of our school our non-teaching staff I think in an ideal world what you've got is the middle leaders communicating that back to their team and those notes going out Uh, absolutely another thing that stood out to me when you were talking about your visionary leader was that whole idea of the distributed leadership and I think people would come forward with the ideas that they have that are more aligned with the vision if the vision is communicated at the Mm. start. And then I'm sure they're coming in saying, oh, well, we're focusing on, let's say, visible learning this year, for instance. I have a really good idea of how I'd like to run this in my classroom or with my year level. Um, I think you'd probably find a lot of the ideas that staff have or things they want to take the lead on are more aligned with the vision when you're clear with the direction and where you're going. Absolutely. And when you have the ability to support your middle school leadership in that, you can put all kinds of systems in in place to support teachers coming forward. So those minutes that get sent out then create that conversation in our PLTs at our, you know, year level meeting or our curriculum meeting or whatever it happens to be. And then as those conversations happen, then my middle school leaders say to me, I have someone that's doing something amazing in my my PLT. I'd like that presented at a whole school staff meeting. So once you start communicating and people feel comfortable to actually speak up and be honest in a respectful way or share and contribute what it is that they have in terms of ideas or practice, you start to get buy-in from everyone mm-hmm. and then we're embracing the yeah, school vision. Yeah, you feel valued and acknowledged it's in the whole way. school vision. It's not just the vision of the senior leadership or the six people with the loudest voice. Everyone feels that they can contribute and be part. Absolutely. And a top, more top-down approach would be, oh, I don't think that's going to work and here's why. I guess if it has been done in the past and that staff member isn't privy to, to that historical uh, information at the school, sure. But, but often, you can explain that to yeah. them, right? Like yes. if you know that's, that's what can... their issue is, then yeah. you can actually help them to unpack why decisions are made. We understand that this is your concern. We've considered it. These were the other concerns that came in. While I wish I could help you this time, the best decision for the school is this one and this is why we've made it, mm. not just this is the decision we've made and this is the way we're going. People are okay with decisions that don't go their own way if they understand why they've been made mm. and 
what that's going to do long term. Yeah, one one thing I promote in schools is to explain the why behind absolutely mm. everything because if we don't explain the why, our staff members insert it. And that comes from either their experience in other school, life experiences, trauma, stresses, mental health, um, just assumptions. So we communicate the why behind absolutely everything, then we don't allow that to happen and people yep. can't create their own narrative there. And if you've also built the trust at the beginning of the year and people understand your philosophical stance, I always put students at the centre, then they're going to understand where you're coming from mm. when mm. you make those and decisions. you just come back to that. Mm. Absolutely. All right, so we're going to chat a little bit around why having a vision is key to successful change. So really since the pandemic, school staff have never worked so hard in their lives. We were always hard workers, but it's yes. like we've got rocket fuel jetpacks of, of oh. energy expelling out the back of us all the time. And many school principals and senior leadership teams have also worked really hard to keep their schools and staff afloat over the last couple of years. And many hardworking staff have, unfortunately, I have to say, matched that energy. And there is no longevity in the energy output that we've, we've got at the moment. So while it might be working for very few, uh, it that it's not sustainable. Not so at all. We really <laughs> need to have a refocus on a vision around staff well-being and school culture because, unfortunately, it's created conditions for unrelenting exhaustion, stress and burnout for our staff and for our leaders, of course. So, you know, I sort of wanted to take a minute here, Kate, to chat around what some of those, the things that we're seeing in schools and classrooms at the moment based off the last couple of years. So, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is definitely high levels of stress, anxiety mm. and impacted mental health and, of course, health. And just worry about what's happening from day to day. Mm. I mean, to be back in school for a while and then back into lockdown, to be so isolated for some people for so long, uh, was really difficult, not only for our students, but for our staff and for our families and the community as a whole. In our second lockdown, we had staff who didn't work from home. They refused to because they needed the human connection. Yeah. And it was nice that our staff could have that, but we couldn't facilitate that for all of our students in the way that we used to. Mm. And so for us, it was then about thinking really differently about how we connect with our kids and our young people to keep their mental health afloat. Mm. Um, and now that they're back at school, we are seeing students are struggling with the day-to-day face-to-face mm. contact. Mm. Um, we, we're seeing an increase in occupational violence. We're seeing an increase in absenteeism when things aren't going well. Students don't have the skills to be able to navigate that. Yeah, I saw a news article about that the other day, that um, absentee rates have never been so high for students. And for staff. Yeah. Yeah. I think the level of stress people were under during that pandemic never came down. I think they've just sort of stabilised where they were. And I'm not sure that people have a good understanding of how to get their levels down, how to be good at self-care. I think people feel, and we, I went to a professional learning session the other day where I really heard something that resonated with me about this culture of being busy. And we have this real badge of honor if we're busy and being busy isn't always great Mm. you know being busy is holding 55 balls in the air at the same time whereas we possibly could prioritize things work on one thing at a time not be so busy but be far more productive I agree and I think for students they had to learn how to prioritize things 
all on their own in the middle of a pandemic because, you know, I have this subject and this subject and this subject and now I don't have that opportunity to sit in the classroom and talk to a teacher and unpack things. I have to do that in the time they're available online to me today before I go to the next subject. And there were other students trying to do the same thing but you couldn't see the line of students lined up for the teacher. So people weren't understanding all of those things. I think so many factors. We still haven't yet quite recovered from that. No. And, um, you know, I, as you were talking about our second lockdown, I think, oh, what a luxury in Canberra. We only had two. two. And <laughs> two reasonably short lockdowns yeah. for us, I mean, 10 weeks at a time. Mm. Um, we were still able to go outside Victoria. and move around and, and exercise and do all of those things. We were never totally locked. Yes, and then you think of our Victorian listeners who oh. were in such intense periods of lockdown. So it's obviously going to be more amplified, Absolutely. of course, in those states. The other thing that I'm I'm definitely seeing either in the schools that I'm working with and as I read through the surveys is this heightened sense of, of and perceptions and definitely experiences of workload. Mm. So obviously the more stressed and anxious we are, uh, our perceptions of workload also go up. So for some schools, of course, workload is going up. Um, we're experiencing, uh, experiencing that. But for others, it's the perceptions because they're really struggling with coping and managing with their well-being. And I think in the background, perhaps for some classroom teachers, that would be the experience in the background. But certainly for us, as COVID hit, the level of compliance required of senior leadership increased. We Mm. then had to have COVID safety assurance plans and we had to be, every time there was a change in the health advice, we had to revisit that plan. And then we had to have it approved and then we had to put it up on a website And so all of a sudden there was this big shift for us from being able to spend time on the strategic to having to narrow so quickly to the operational. And we've stayed in the operational ever since Yeah, because we never know where we're going with the health advice and we have to be ready to pivot at any time and we have to make sure that all of our digital and online resources are ready to go at the drop of a hat. And for a while, some of our teachers were trying to teach face-to-face while also trying to deliver things to students who had COVID and were at home. That became a real workload issue, especially in Canberra. I don't know how other jurisdictions oh, manage well, that. Listen, the, the problem that you've got in places like Victoria now is that they've introduced a new workload agreement for teachers. So we're you know, making sure that we're only working our scheduled hours each week and then there's this time in lieu, which is great to protect the working hours and the well-being of our staff. But in fact, that's now just created more of a workload for the school leaders because they have to then keep track of all of the hours if they go over, time in lieu for people. So and how do you do time in lieu in a school? Oh, listen, I, don't, I think it's really hard. But the, but the thing is, is that it's been introduced and, and rightfully so to protect our teachers and our staff. But without the consideration of the workload, it adds on for our leadership. So That's do, right. do they get time in lieu? Because I want to I want to say <laughs> I, I don't think that they're tracking <laughs> their overtime. So things like that, you know, it, we, we, we that has increased, of course, since the pandemic and is still there. We've got other things, of course, like student management mm. and connections with our students. So, um, you know, this is causing a lot of a lot of stress and that exhaustion. Trying to just do too many things at once, lost processes, systems, and procedures that we once had in place that we haven't had time and we haven't had to use yeah. for quite a while. And then you go back to you know we're trying to manage these workloads, and in Victoria, clearly they're now 
having to track workloads. That's a whole other layer of introduced new systems mm-hmm. that people are trying to manage. Yeah, and so then they're forgetting it the things they need, the like student management procedures. Or let's yeah. put the students at the centre. What are we going to do that's going to make the biggest difference for our students and support our staff in the best way mm-hmm. possible? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, of course, there's things like lack of teacher identity or a loss of teacher identity. And a identity. shortage. Yeah. so here we have all of these factors that are leading to us creating these um, unrealistic expectations of of what we expect of our teachers because really um, the system is requiring so much of us so if senior leaders really want a transformation of their culture that leads to improved school outcomes it's a really good time to sit back and think about the next leg of the journey and envision a future where that people actually have the energy to be able to carry their school towards success and improved performance and be able to make it there in one piece because we can't possibly keep doing things the way that we have been doing them. And now that the dust is settling after the pandemic, it's the, it's the perfect time to, to think about where we're going. So the benefits of having a vision are plentiful. So strategic vision and good leadership really do go hand in hand. And the best leaders deepen a sense of purpose for staff by first clarifying their vision. So globally, actually, just one in three employees strongly agree that the mission or purpose of their organisation that they work in is clear and makes them feel like their job is important. Now, in many ways, we're quite lucky in education because it's a very purposeful Mm. profession. Uh, So we know that we're in it for the kids to make a difference to the lives of children and young people uh, for academically but also for their well-being. But we are forgetting that. We just talked about all of the things that are stressing us out and leading to exhaustion that we're forgetting the reason as to why we got into this. So having that vision helps us to clarify why we're here and why we're doing that and why it's important. So having a vision is really important as as a school leader. So a clear purpose drives resiliency, well-being and school outcomes as staff know and can work together towards a successful future. And this helps to focus us during challenging times. So when things get crazy, we come back to our vision, why we're doing this, what's the purpose behind it. We rally the troops And we learn to say no to the things that fall outside that vision or are distractors, you know, the next shiny object. Yes, that's right. Having a vision and communicating it well also enables school leaders to be transparent in, in what their work stands for. So I, as the leader of this school or of this team, this is the work that I'm doing and why, this is the direction I'm looking to take the school in. And yes, vision should be co-created, but it ultimately does start with the senior leaders because they, particularly a principal, they are the leader of that school. Yeah. And I think you can have the vision, but you don't necessarily have to come to your your other staff with a way to get there. That's where you can bring them on board. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this is where we'd like to be in five years' time and this is the vision. How do you see us getting there? what what do you see is missing what's important for us to prioritize first what order do you think we should work on these should we go wide should we go deep and narrow I think going deep and narrow is always better one or two do them really well really focus on them get them really established but there's lots of ways that you can move forward that bring people on board. Yes. Yeah. We don't have to scatter our efforts. Mm. You know, we don't have, what's the saying, a jack of all trades, but the master of none. Yeah. 
(laughs) (laughs) Also, having a vision really does set a standard and gentle expectations for all staff to follow and leaders um, and have involvement in. So when we say this is what we're working towards, it's, it's communicating to everybody that this is where we're expecting everybody to go and be and land in, in the next few years. And, of course, the important part of that is, well, how exactly we're going to get there and how we're going to get there together. Mm. And I think the other side of that, though we don't like to spend a lot of time thinking about it, is that when we have that shared vision and that shared expectation and communication, it also places us well to have more robust and challenging conversations when we need to. And I think, you know, Dan Hasler talks about that really well when he talks about the five steps to those difficult conversations. And the first one, you know, I noticed this. So for my team, I always say to them that early is on time. If a meeting starts at 3.15, you're not walking in the door at 3.15. You're there and you're ready to go at 3.15, those kind of things. And then if someone's late, I can say to them at the end, oh, I noticed you were late today. Is everything okay? Mm. And then I can step through those processes so that they know that I saw it, but I'm actually checking in on their well-being. That's not like you. Is everything okay? So I'm still putting the person at the centre and I'm looking after them. But the next one is, oh, we had a chat about this a couple of weeks ago. I noticed that this happened again. Can I support you with something? If there's something you need me to help you with, you know, is everything really all right? And you can go through without ever having to have that big stick. Yes, and this is what's important. And the thing is, is that lots of people are having difficult conversations when there's been no vision communicated, Mm. so staff don't know the expectations or they're not even having these conversations. So, you know, when those gentle expectations or standards aren't met, we're just leaving them to go and then things slip away and then there's... And then it's the very hard conversation when you could have just had that gentle, are you okay, is everything all right, I'm checking in, I notice. Yep. And if you notice, then people are thinking, well, okay, I, I agreed that we were part of this together. It's nice that you noticed something wasn't okay and, yes, I actually do need your help or, no, I'm fine, it was just that I was running late today because a student needed something or whatever it was. Yeah, and then it's also a good opportunity sometimes for us to be able to work out how we as leaders can offer support to that person if needed. And if it's not us, who's best place to offer it? Yeah, and, you you know, because it's Dan Hasler, of course, the structure of that conversation is very people-focused. It's not judgmental. It's not a blame game. It's not authoritarian. Again, the same way we would deal with a student that we were concerned about. We would call and ask the family, is everything okay? Is there anything you need? How can we support you? It's it's the same process. Mm. We're just talking about our staff and not the the students that we're working with. And it all starts at the foundation Mm -hmm. of the vision. We can't have those conversations and find those avenues for support without that vision first. Also, communicating our vision helps staff to see their role in it and it gives them opportunities Mm -hmm. to talk about it. This is exactly what you were just talking about before, which builds trust and opportunities for positive communication and collaboration. And that doesn't mean that those conversations aren't tricky. Oh, no. Uh, But part of your norms or your vision is that we all collaborate and communicate respectfully. I'm just thinking of one of them and professionally and how we do that. And then we can have tough and robust conversations, but we can move forward together. We can see that we are able to express our views and opinions when we're moving towards the outcome of our vision. And that helps people feel like they can be themselves. Yeah. I think the other part of that too is that as the senior leader who is communicating that trust and all of those things, you also have to come at people with curiosity. The dissenter is not the bad person in the room. They're the person who's presenting a very different perspective from what you may have. 
But that's great because they're helping you think about what might come up, what are the roadblocks I haven't thought about, you know, maybe there are people out there that see this differently and we need to consider the diversity of views and opinions. And so I think the best person to have in the room sometimes is the dissenter or the person who's the black hat my favourite. (laughs) And we don't need to be afraid of them. We need to embrace them and be curious about how they got to the point of view they have. Mm -hmm. I think if you can be curious and open as a leader, then that goes a long way to helping staff feel valued and comfortable as well. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that my program and my support with schools has got to where it's gotten to because of some of the people who question supporting wellbeing or the approach or the data. Uh, It's made me modify the way that I communicate with different groups of people and present my information to try and reach everybody in the room. And we don't have to take it personally. It's not always comfortable, is it? In fact, usually it's really quite uncomfortable. And for me, that was the hardest part of my leadership journey was actually understanding that this isn't a personal attack on me. It's just you need to think about all the different perspectives and and sometimes it shows you where you need to do your work as a leader in making yourself a better leader. Sometimes that's the most valuable. And how to communicate with different Different people. people. You can't just make a sweet. This is going to be the same for your vision too. Yes. When you're communicating your vision, if an emotional vision will land with the more emotional people. Mm. A data-driven vision will light land with the, the data-driven people. So we need to think how can our vision land to all of those people in the room and we need to think about those who you know are really enthusiastic and motivated probably will get on board straight away. But those ones who require, um, yes, graphs and visuals and, and, and concrete plans, that has to be woven into this. And if that's not your way of presenting, then you bring on board the person within your leadership team who's 100%. strong at that and you utilise them because mm-hmm. they will know how to reach those people. Yeah. 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 Uh, we'll get to that soon <laughs> and how to actually communicate it. But, yes, it's some real some real gold in there. Now, we know too as well with the PERMA model, so positive psychology is PERMA model, uh, we've got the M in that acronym for meaning. So for those of you who aren't familiar with the PERMA model, uh, Martin Seligman developed the five pillars which uh, together combined create a sense of psychological safety. And this is in our personal well-being, but it's also broadly used in organisations and schools. So the P is positive emotions, E is engagement, R is relationships, M is meaning, and A is accomplishments. So the M for meaning in there, it's it's one of those pillars. So it's essential that we're communicating with with purpose and meaning for our staff and that they're involved in that. Um, Again, we're really lucky to have a bit of a head start in the education world. So many teachers end up in their role due to their desire to educate and contribute to the development of young minds. So there's there's that element of meaning behind what they do. But as I was saying before, amidst those excessive workplace stresses, staff are more likely to have actually lost their sense of purpose alongside a lack of consistent and clear vision rhyme or reason from leadership teams and our government, I think, too. Um, We've really kind of lost our way and this has only created this sense of confusion, frustration and anxiety for staff. And, in fact, the NOSTA model for change actually highlights that confusion results when we have a lack of vision. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So um, 
if your staff are confused, it's probably because they don't know exactly what's expected of them, where the school's going and exactly why they're doing each of the programs or change initiatives that have been put in front of them. So they'd be less likely to engage with them. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You need to be able to articulate your purpose and exactly why each thing you're asking staff to do is really important, how it's going to make a difference and exactly what it is we need done by a certain time. I think it's also important to remember too, if we're introducing something new, what are we taking off the table? Um, we can't just now. keep introducing things <laughs> yes. because eventually it becomes this enormous bucket. I feel that's a bit of what's happening with our curriculum. Everything that oh, needs to be done is put into our <laughs> curriculum and it's overwhelming when you sit and you look at what you need to cover at any given year level, at any given time. And sometimes we forget we do that to our staff if we don't say, okay, we know we had all of this but this has come up and it's something we don't necessarily have a choice in it might be something that is being told to us as as a you know a cog in a wheel of a directorate this is what the directorate now has to pivot to but we're going to remove this as something that we're doing at the moment we're just going to park it over here it's not that it's not valuable and we don't want to do it but right now we need to focus here so we're going to put this aside for this long we'll come back and revisit it at this time and that comes up in a lot of the surveys I'm doing too people get confused you know we're meant to be doing a right ways program or sound rights but we're also diving into mini lit and multi lit Mm -hmm you know, are we throwing out the other ones yeah. and going with mini-lit now? Or And so we have to be clear on that. So the start of the year could be a good time yeah. to have a look at everything that's running across the school. Never a better time, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Another really interesting point to raise here is that one of the emerging themes in the research is to provide certainty and clarity mm. for staff. And that's because we've gone through to two, a two- to three-year period of having decisions made for us at the last minute, often when we could leave our house, yes. <laughs> um, how many people could visit us, <laughs> whether you could walk your dog. Yeah, those kind of things. And so there's almost like this increased sensitivity to having uh, that clarity and direction and buy-in and involvement. So lots of leaders are saying, I didn't, didn't realise, this comes out of the surveys that I do, I didn't realise staff wanted so much involvement. I'm like, well, right now, they do, it might peter off, but we can sort of lessen that anxiety and help them to feel that involvement by offering them the opportunity. It's important here, I must say as a caveat, we have to be clear with staff that if they want more involvement and communication on these things, it can sometimes mean more time, which is an increase in workload. But if we communicate that and put that out there, uh, then we're showing them that we're listening and we are involving them, but we're also mindful of their time as well. And because staff don't think about that element, if we want to consult mm. on a big decision, then we'll take a meeting, which pushes something else back. That's right. Yeah, might mean extra time. And maybe that means that as senior leadership, we need to look at how we use our time in meetings. Yes, um, sometimes we have meetings because they're scheduled, yet everything that we're actually doing in that meeting could have been communicated by sending out an email or just walking around to the different staff rooms and saying, here is the operational information that was coming out in today's meeting. There was nothing else on the agenda, so we're actually going to give you extra time today put the coins in the bank because then when we do need to call that meeting because people want to have a say on something, they know that we're not just meeting for meeting's sake. Mm. There's actually a a really good reason and a purpose behind this. And once the meeting 
is beginning, we stay on track, we don't go off on tangents and we can get it done in the shortest That's time right. possible. And show the data to your data-driven people. <laughs> so they know that they're in that meeting because 75% of staff wanted more involvement in whole school decisions. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So let's talk a little bit now. We've, we've talked a lot about the overall vision and I touched earlier on the importance of having a vision for staff well-being and school culture and this is where I kind of want to pivot to at the moment because obviously working as a health and well-being consultant for schools, that's where a lot of my energy uh, is directed. But, of course, well-being is a, be- a beast and gets its um, tentacles into absolutely everything, including how we lead and set the vision for our absolutely. school. So visionary leaders really do have a higher purpose for their existence in schools than merely chasing improved student academic outcomes. We work in an organisation full of students but also adult people. Yes. <laughs> so we without, must... you would not have a school to run. That's right, and mm. you would not have learning outcomes. So I would really argue that a good vision in this current climate extends beyond students' academic successes and focuses heavily on school culture and the climate required to retain and attract staff to this dwindling profession. Really, the rest will follow. That doesn't mean that we throw the baby out with the bathwater and we don't do anything on curriculum and school direction. I'm not saying that. It's about weaving it into it because well-being is integrated as I said just before into absolutely everything that we do. It can't be a standalone thing on the site. No, I think you're absolutely right and you know, we, again, we look at how we motivate and empower students. And I think we need to take that and, and put that into how we motivate and empower our staff. Mm-hmm. And remembering that, you know, we all would like to have a voice and feel valued and feel like we are really making a difference. That's why people get into mm-hmm. education. They want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And so we need to take the time to make sure that we are creating that environment for our staff. Yeah, and that comes into the values and the mission of our school. It's not we are ultimately all here for the kids, but we again, we are a group of people. So we need to weave us somehow into that. Oh, we know that it is the teacher in front of the class that makes the biggest difference. Yeah. Yeah. And that the largest difference is between teachers in the same school, not the difference in quality of a teacher in in school A as opposed to school B. Mm -hmm. So if we can get that right with the teachers in our school, it's going to go a long way to actually helping with improved student outcomes. Happy staff will come to school more regularly. They will engage more happily. They will be interacting with students on a much greater level and much more deeply than someone who is dragging themselves out of bed every day really struggling to get through the day poorly planned because they really are flying by the seat of their pants because that's all they have to give. Mm. Um, I think, you know, we have to look after our staff. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And the thing is, you know, beginning your year off, of course we have that strategic plan. We covered off on this before, but sometimes those that strategic those priorities don't really seem relevant to all of our individuals and so it really can have really not very much meaning for some of our school staff but generally a vision for staff or being in culture does have meaning yes. for most people so it's a good way to bring everybody yeah. together to get them engaged uh, and then think really creatively about how we display that in a way that links to our strategic goals and a school I'm working with at the moment uh, he, we've really been mapping out the vision for school culture and, and well-being. And he goes, I see now without this, I can't get to that as he points to 
his school vision so beautifully displayed on a banner in the front office. And I said, that means nothing without your people. Absolutely. It's the foundation. So I think if we start there, then it makes the rest of it begins to make sense and our, and our staff can connect to that. And we know really that a school's performance requires healthy, happy and well staff to achieve those desired student learning outcomes. And student mental health and well-being are really heavily reliant on the well-being of the teachers. Mm -hmm. And student well-being and mental health influences their life outcomes. (laughs) This couldn't be more important. It cannot be left off the list any longer. No, definitely (laughs) not. All right. So as a result, really schools might be experiencing or heading towards low staff morale, impacted staff and student relationships, high staff burnout rates, and then perceptions of a more negative school culture. Um, And in fact, I actually read this in the book Built to Last. Uh, Jim Collins highlights how together with the school's core values, a clear vision or purpose, uh, this really helps to form a set of stable principles that guide a school through both the highs and the lows. So we covered off on that before. It's the foundation to all that we do. So this really might suggest that if we had a vision for our school that prioritised the well-being of our people, we might be more likely to emerge out of the other side of this really challenging time with our staff standing loyally by our sides mm-hmm. because they see that we cared and we valued for them. Uh, we valued them so they'd be less likely to leave and go somewhere else where they feel more appreciated. And sometimes they leave thinking that they're going to be more appreciated only to see the grass isn't greener, but they've left mm. to find that out, right? Mm. So we need to make it really clear mm. that you know, we are a people-oriented service, we are about people, and it's not just our students and it's not just our families, but our staff are incredibly important mm. and we need to keep them safe at work. We need to try and make work as you know predictable as we can And to do that, we need to listen and work alongside rather than do too. Yeah, and a big part of that process is actually first identifying what's happening in your school. So the scanning process that I run with schools helps to identify a number of challenges. But I'm thinking particularly the leading workplace stresses uh, that staff are experiencing and then their perceptions around morale and culture and collaboration. So when you kind of take that diagnostic approach, then you can build a vision which really speaks to that. So I'm thinking of a school that I'm working with uh, in New South Wales at the moment, really identified that um, staff engagement was was lacking uh, in this particular school. Um, staff didn't seem to have the passion for the role anymore, that it seemed all too hard. So, so his vision, the school leader's vision, really focused around looking after ourselves and our well-being and us as people and looking after one another means that we're more likely to engage with our professional practice. And part of that was communicating that he had really high standards for professional practice. That means using our time really well during work hours. If you need to go home because you're so exhausted, I totally understand that. But how are you using your freeze? How are you using your collaborative time? When we run professional learning in the morning meetings or in the afternoon meetings, then they're for your well-being. They're to help upskill you in student management, which was another key stressor at that school. This is why we're doing this. We're listening. We're looking at what you're struggling mm. with. And uh, to support your well-being, that's why we've made the decision to have coaches and mentors come in, to have um, consultants come in in that space, to run these extra meetings. We're not adding to your workload. We're trying to help you. 
Sounds very similar to when you came to our school, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. And it's so important for us to first work out where we're at so that our vision actually makes sense to people. Because if we just come in and say, well, well-being is really important to us and um, and then it links to student learning outcomes, that doesn't mean jack (laughs) to some teachers in a school. But if they go, right, a lack of direction is something we all flagged and you're communicating this because a lack of direction um, was mm. a priority for us, then, okay, that makes sense. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Or we have a big focus on PBL, on positive behaviours for learning, because 80% of our staff are struggling with managing challenging students. So this is supportive of our wellbeing. Alongside of that, we're also working out support mechanisms for how we can speak to teachers as mentors and view classroom practice that's why we're adding on learning walks for instance yes it all ties into the vision and it's really important too to note here that while vision starts with senior leaders it's driven by the middle leaders so without that clarity and direction from the top our middle leaders actually may lose sight of the end goal that we're hoping to achieve and they are the ones on the ground Mm -hmm dealing with our teachers and our non-teaching staff regularly, oftentimes more regularly than us as senior leaders, particularly in in, in big and very busy schools. So the thing is, is that if our middle leaders aren't on board with our vision, they haven't had a say in it, they haven't been part of that co-creation process, then we start to see that confusion and that inconsistency. And there's nothing that riles staff up more than inconsistent messaging and communication. That's right. And I think for some middle leaders, they're really at a loss as to how go, how to go about delivering those messages. And so for me, it was about actually shaping my vision into something workable with my executive team mm-hmm. so that then they went through that process with me of let's build the bus together. Mm-hmm. And then they took that whole model and then built the bus with I their staff. Mm-hmm. And I think we assume sometimes that just because someone's been promoted into an executive teaching position, they've suddenly overnight got all of these skills on how to manage people and how to, you know, come together and build a vision. And really they haven't had that experience. No, and they so often we, are leading from in front and doing everything for everyone. They're that's not right. leading from behind yet. And I think that's one thing that's really important. Part of understanding how to look after people is helping them understand that leadership is not doing for people. Mm. It's actually working alongside people to support them, not all this. to do that with your leaders. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it, yeah. I, I think for me it was really stopping and it was when you came in and, and I said to you, but this is where I want to go. Now I need to build this with my staff, which you helped me do. But the whole way I built that with the staff, I then said to them, I want you to take this model and do this with your teams because this is how you're going to actually communicate this. And it was simple, but they just needed some direction. And I think we forget sometimes that within any executive team, you've got people with years of experience and you've got people with two minutes of experience and we just put them all in as, well, this is my team and just go and do it. Yeah. Um, And we also think that just by saying something verbally that it lands. But that's not always the case. And I think you put it so beautifully. It's that involvement and that co-creation of it. So it starts with you communicating your vision and it's like, now let's workshop this together. Mm. And it could take you half a year to get your vision 
set in stone, but it's important we have to just keep coming back to it, refining it. It's a big job, so it couldn't all be done simply in one day. Oh, no. Um, it's something that we have to constantly return to and refine. And the thing here is that, again, without that consistency, teachers and staff really can end up engaging in behaviours or thought patterns that are disconnected mm -hmm. from our ultimate school vision or our principal vision and will be less likely, of course, then be likely to result in minimal change and outcome because we just do our own thing really <laughs> off in our own little spaces. So senior leaders are involved in taking their school really from the current situation to a changed and improved state in the future. And the role of senior leaders is paramount because they really are the change champions. And put, you know, this is exactly what you were saying before, Kate. It's about building coalitions of staff to create conditions for change and embed those new ways of working. And um, that takes good leadership. And, of course, this all centres around trust, which is about more than just the vision-setting activity at the beginning of the year. The <laughs> it's consistency, it's vulnerability, it's clarity, it's owning mistakes. You're saying what you mean and yeah. mean, meaning what you say. Oh, is that Brene Brown? Mm. Yeah. love Brene Brown. <laughs> <laughs> and as we touched on before, co-creating vision with our staff really helps us to set standards for a positive school culture so the school's vision will outline the future that you desire and that the standards that they the leaders and the staff really operate by and it describes each uh everyone's roles in this change process so this is important we of course start with our sweeping overall vision but okay how does everybody play their part in this so um, in the book, actually, Great Leaders Have No Rules, the author Cruz shares how carefully considered standards are something that a team can collectively uphold. Now, these aren't rules because rules just erode trust. It's about how we can all work together to create a system or a set of expectations where we can be accountable to each other and to our leaders. And we can always return to that during challenging times, um, during the good times as well, to be clear in our roles and responsibilities in that change process. And it keeps everybody on the same page. But it's also really great because it helps us to recognize and value our achievement during the good times. And what this makes me think about is our staff who sometimes don't always do anything extraordinary and get those accolades in a sh shout-out session in the staff meeting, but those who just consistently live by the school values are excellent practitioners who don't always get recognised for their amazing effort and consistency. Which happens in a classroom with students yes. too, right? <laughs> Had to bring it back to the students again. I love it. It's so true. And they're the ones who get these really nice reports at the end. Yeah. Oh, I love Betty, I'm thinking of all the Bettys I've taught now. That <laughs> you're probably going, oh, I know a Betty. I've never taught oh, a Betty. There you go. Oh, I have had taught a couple of Bettys. But, oh, yeah, she was lovely. And yeah. then the whole year she's just Betty sat at the front of the class. Always you? doing what you ask, never oh, complaining, no. getting on with things. And there, are, I think we also forget that, yes, we have difficult staff and, yes, sometimes we focus our energy there, but 99% of our staff, come into work every day, do a fabulous job, work with some really complex and challenging students day in and day out and don't ask for anything in return. And, you know, you don't go into teaching because you want to be thanked. But it's really nice to just be able to make someone's day by saying, oh, I noticed you did this and it was great. Thanks for doing that. 30 seconds. But do you know what they often get rewarded with is more jobs because oh, they're yes. so competent that they we 
shift more things onto them. I read that a lot of the time in our survey reports. That's where I'm the dissenter in my <laughs> staff meetings and I say, mm, that person has quite a few things on yeah. just because what are you taking away from them yeah. so they can do that that job you're asking them to do? Yeah. And I think sometimes you need someone on the senior leadership team who is going to be that dissenter who sits there and says, I'm now putting my classroom teaching hat on or I'm putting my middle leadership hat on and actually if that was me, I'd be feeling overwhelmed now. Mm, so we need I to agree. rethink we whether or not that for all our stuff. Yes, we should. Mm. But and for one another. And be okay when somebody speaks up about that. You and have to take it personally. Saying no isn't a bad thing. Yes, I have to upskill teachers in how to set boundaries <laughs> Well, you did that for me too. Uh, <laughs> you are an expert boundary setter, I must say now. <laughs> Took a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're there. All right, so to close today, we'll I'll just run through some of the first steps that you can take towards a more people-focused vision-setting process in 2023. So first of all, as a senior leader or even as a middle leader, and if you're a classroom teacher, you can be doing this in your classroom, create your vision. So envision the kind of school that you imagine for you and your staff as a principal or if you're a middle leader, the kind of team Uh, the team dynamics, the functionality of your team that you envision. What does it look like? What does it sound like? And and how does everybody feel? And again, teachers, you can be doing this for your classroom as well. A next really important step here is to identify your core values as a school leader and why these are important. Once we've identified that, you know, we value connection or we value boundaries or we value, um, you know, transparency, it makes it really easy for us to communicate in a way who we are and what we expect and what means something to us. So our staff go, ah, oh, you know, I'm thinking professionalism or timeliness for some leaders is really important. And if we communicate that as part of our vision at the start, then it sets that standard, but people understand us better. But also it's the why behind that value. So I know that I really value that for you and from you as a team so that we can able to work in a functional way that isn't going to be triggering I've used a three-question system with my team. So the first one is, you know, I'm at my best when I, yep. and you finish the as many sentences as you need I to. I love that. And the next one, as a team, we'll work well when. So then you start to see what people really value in mm-hmm. what they get mm-hmm. from their team. And the things that are currently stopping us are, and it can't explain, it just needs to be a list of things that you can then explore as a team as to fabulous the hot dotting of this is something I can work on removing this barrier for or mm. this is something that I think I can take and lead. Mm. Um, and I always think it's going to be a really short session when no, I ask three no. questions and it usually takes a couple of hours. But oh, to fabulous. dig deeply into that and actually explore what helps people to be the best they can be, what they see the high-functioning team to look like and what we need to remove to actually be able to create that environment for them. Really powerful. I think so. But what it is too is it's you working collaboratively as a team. So you as a senior leader can communicate your values and, and, and your expectations and what means something to you in that session, but also all of your staff get to do that and yeah. you all get to know one another. I think the only <laughs> caveat you need to put on it is it's not an opportunity to have an absolute blame game mm. to tear mm. shreds off people. No. They need to be really constructive. You know, These are the barriers. So I'm in meetings four days a week, which means that I can't plan or you know, we never have access to the deputy because she's off doing this or 
whatever it is, mm. but it can't be about particular people per se, yeah. but, you Well, know. it's more you need to speak for yourself. Yes, this and is what's stopping me and the team yep. from actually getting to this. Yep, and we also have to, I like to work in themes when I work with groups of staff too, so while one opinion is very valid because it's yours, what we like to do is, is work in, in themes. So if we're finding a few staff are challenged by something the or hot really value really something, helps I love that. When you put, what we'll yeah. do, Kate, is put those questions in the show notes for any school leaders who want to steal them sure. <laughs> and use that activity <laughs> at the start of the year. And and that kind of linked into my next point is that when, when we find our values and communicate them, it's really important for us to ask our middle leaders and our staff what they value. And especially around recognition, um, I think, again, I used to do this with my class all the time. When you've done something well, how would you like me to recognize that? Because we often think it's great to shout that out at a staff meeting, but there are people who absolutely want to retreat into their (laughs) shell if you make them the center of attention. So for them, that public recognition is not at all pleasant, but for you to just go by and say, hey, I really love the way you did that and thanks for that or leave a note on their desk or a little certificate. So I think even just asking how would you like us to recognise when you've done a great job or we see you doing something above and beyond or we noticed you did something extra today, what does that look like for people? right. I like that point. The other thing about um, asking staff about what they value is you can often pinpoint a few of the challenges experienced in the school through mm, what people value because you often can. go to the thing that you value the most because you're not really getting it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's always really interesting. And then from here you can work together to create your school staff values yep. and identify what they are. Um, you know, really, you can do like a wordles where everyone sort of puts their words in and those that pop up the most are there and, everybody's values then are are heard and then we see and seen yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and then we can see okay a lot of us value trust or integrity equality whatever it might be uh and then from there we can work on our plan and our vision Mm -hmm. for the year that that really weaves in some of that language from here then it's important to break our vision into smaller steps so ultimately i think the best visions are around three years long um And then from here you can break it down into sort of one year and focusing on kind of one to three priority areas. And so when I'm working with schools to build a staff well-being action plan, we go through the process of scanning the school and, of course, finding what the challenges are, identifying those three priorities, building the vision. We then get clear on the roles and responsibilities and then from there we've got a wellbeing action plan that couldn't can be anywhere between one to three years and that has all of the actions that we will actually take to achieve that. And um, this, again, is an episode in itself, but it sort of spans across those those areas of the PERMA model to make sure that we're, we're taking that really integrated approach to be able to create that psychological safety. Part of your wellbeing action plan or your vision, if you're breaking it down, is to identify the specific goals and markers for success. So how will you actually measure your progress? Um, A survey is a really good way to capture your beginning data so you can begin to sort of look at things like collaboration scores and perceptions around morale and culture um, and or you can even create your own school surveys yourself. So you need to think, well, what will actually constitute a big enough of a difference here and as I was touching on before considering all of the the roles of everybody involved so what are the roles of the senior leaders in this vision the middle leaders and the staff and how are we going to deliver and promote this uh, vision and what's everybody's role in the change 
So that, again, is those, those gentle expectations and standards that we all agree on. And the final point here is to communicate your vision and standards in an ongoing fashion. Once is not enough. We must return to it. It must be visual um, and put up around the school. And I couldn't emphasise more the visual part. Mm. Words or a table on a page isn't enough. I think some of the greatest ones I've seen developed in this last year uh, are done using like, great icons and, and images. and Which reminds me a bit of the positive for behaviours for learning yeah. that we do with students mm. and that we have that visually in every classroom, yep. in every corridor. We refer to it. We refer to it all the time. We talk about using mm-hmm. a very common language. And, again, what we do for students is going to work for our staff. Yeah, and I saw a really great one come in from a school that I'm working with the other day. Um, so as part of his overall vision, he's got this amazing sort of icon. I'm just turning it around to show to Kate where it's got understanding. So, you know, we understand mm. what we're teaching, knowledge and skills. We've got the skills, self-management. We're able to cope, support ourselves, seek support. And then campus systems. So the support yeah. options we have around the school. So it's really clear that what the vision actually stands for and how it all works together. And that came from his first just words of what he wanted to be able to put that in a vision. And he's actually said Someone that I can share this. clearly so has yeah. a vision and yeah. knows exactly what he wants that to look like. Yep. And he and he's actually um, said that I can share this, so I'll pop a little visu- a visual mm. of that in the show notes for anybody who's keen to check that out. Um, and you know, even from there, you can get your staff involved in creating those visuals. You know, we do it with our kids; we get them to create our logos. Well, that's it. And you know, even though we're talking about staff well-being, our students can play a great role mm. in, in making sure that our staff are, you know. Uh, feeling good, feeling valued and yes. getting them on board and feeling like part of the community because ultimately we want everyone who's working in our school, engaged with our school, part of our school, to to feel like their well, well-being is important mm-hmm. and valued. So we can be doing this and then building a community. Oh, the other, the, the other point that I actually didn't raise that you've um, reminded me of with that point is that we need to share this with our whole community mm. because then they know what we're working towards as a staff, why we make decisions that we do um, because we're working on this, uh, why we've put in place the programs that we are, why our sort of, um, you know, timetable looks the way it does it all begins to make sense uh and we often leave out parents and students from that sometimes and students can be exceptionally powerful i think when we had a particularly stressful period for our staff at our school i hijacked someone's class one day gave them a box of chalk and said let's go and write some really positive messages out on the playground before people get out there just to change people's moods oh that's cute um really (laughs) simple yeah and i mean i was talking year eight students and they were super excited to get out and do it we talked about these are appropriate messages and these are not we work in a p to 10 environment so you know some of them needed to be really simple for our our non-readers in kindergarten but it became quite a regular thing students would come to me and say i've noticed that staff are looking a bit stressed oh it's report writing time maybe we should do something to help our teachers realize we understand that things are a bit busy right now and and you just have to build it and they're little. They don't have to be big and they don't have to cost money and they don't have to take a lot of time. But you've got an amazing workforce in your student body <laughs> and you only need 30 of them with a workforce. Of I love that. <laughs> and they can go out they and be our well-being slaves. <laughs> oh, we, we had amazing signs put up with little yeah, rip-off so bits that 
you know, said, you know, you're doing a fantastic job. Make sure you look after yourself when you get home. And they stuck them on staff room doors and all kinds of little things. Right. Origami animals and they just leave them on people's desks. Really simple things yeah. that those little random acts of kindness. Yeah. People love that. Cost nothing, <laughs> make a big difference. <laughs> So just as a reminder there, a clear vision of what you'd like your school culture to look and feel like helps inform your next steps for improving staff or being in culture. So once you're clear on the direction of where you want to move towards, you can communicate and discuss this with staff and embed a strategic approach that involves and sets expectations for everyone involved. It's important to understand that while vision starts at the top, you can't carry out your vision without buy-in from all levels of staff, which is ultimately transformational leadership. It's that co-created approach to just about everything. And that links back to the leader that you mentioned before, who um, was sound, definitely sounded like he was transformational. Oh, because he empowered you. Yeah. Listened. And that's the new thing at the moment now is empowering leadership which mm. I think is like a step above transformational leadership. It weaves in that distri- that distributed leadership mm. alongside being transformational. And it, it implies so much trust. Yes, mm. go and do it. Mm. I have faith trust that it will be okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when we've shared a goal or vision, we're collectively working towards with an understanding that it will improve the quality of life for everybody in the school community. It's easy to get on board and feel driven by a sense of purpose. Better yet, when our vision takes our people's needs into consideration, it shows them that they're valued and an essential component of the school's culture and ultimately its success. I want to thank you so much, Kate, for co-hosting with me today. It's been good spending the afternoon with you. Yeah, it's been great just to have a chat and yes. catch up. I've missed working with you. Yeah, just remind me, me of, <laughs> of working with you in a school but also in the consultancy space. You've come such a long way since. Oh, thank you. Well, that's your hard work as well as mine. <laughs> Thanks, Kate. Thank you so much for joining me for Episode 5 of the Well-Led Schools podcast. You can access the show notes for this episode, complete with all the information and links, wherever that you're listening to this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review if you haven't already. Thank you to all of those amazing people who've already done so. And if you're interested in developing and implementing a vision for well-being at your school, be sure to visit adrianhornby.com.au forward slash school hyphen partnerships to learn more about our well-led school partnership program and get on the wait list for the next intake in February. Thanks so much for listening to Well-Led Schools. I look forward to connecting with you at adrianhornby.com.au. Here you can get in contact with me, learn more about my approach and join my mailing list. I'm Adrienne Hornby. Thanks again for your time and stay well.